0: you have your Bible with you grab it turn turn to chapter or to book to the book of Acts chapter 1 Acts chapter 1 we're gonna look at Acts 1 1 through eight. 1 through 8 hey how many of you in the room would say that you are an extrovert me I'm it. Nancy and I yes Nancy oh there's Kelly Larry How many of you would say you're introverts more introverts than extroverts Uh, Kristen raised her hand as an introvert but she's really an intro extrovert she's very whatever she's really very extroverted but then by the time she like spends time with people she's like I'm done I need to go hide I am an extrovert I will have conversations with anybody and everybody Um, I I will be in um, in Home Depot and I will overhear a conversation uh, of somebody looking to do something at their house and if I've done that or experienced that before or failed at it before I will just jump right in and tell them what I think of the project Larry you like that too out of boy if, if there's um, if, if I'm involved or engaged in a hobby of some kind and I I, when I go to, to to different places, like when I was into fish, when I was fish keeping, if I went to one of the, the fish stores, especially like Petco, or one of the big brand pet stores, because if you if you're into fish, um, if you're into any kind of animal, I mean, <clears throat> if you've ever um, found yourself with more chickens than your backyard should have in it, or uh, bigger fish than your fish tank can house, um, I, I just I would I love to be like in on the fish aisle at Petco, and the little Person that's running the fish department is telling a person that they can put a ball of shark in a ten gallon tank and oh it'll be fine yes buy this well no that fish is going to get fifteen inches someday if it lives long enough and so I love to just kind of be there and 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 offer wisdom at different times um, yeah right but here's here's the deal so. Most of us are willing to share what we know with others, especially if it's helpful. Wives in the room, you are probably the very best at this. Sharing words of wisdoms to your husbands, especially if it's helpful. And husbands, we need to recognize that most of the time that information is helpful. It really is helpful. But I'm the kind of person that loves to do that. If I have something that I think can help somebody, I want to share it with them. Even perfect strangers. And this is, inevitably, this is the time when we're in the middle of the Home Depot aisle and Kristen turns the other way and I have a 20-minute conversation with somebody and then I have to call her and say, where are you? Uh, As far away from you as I can get right now. See, the ultimate goal, though, for us as Christ followers is to find ourselves in experiences or interactions with people where we have the ability to share this wisdom, this knowledge, this hope that we have in Christ, His faithfulness, His trans- how He has transformed us and changed us. It, is, it, it should be our goal, it should be our hope to be able to find ourselves in situations where we can, we can, we can share that with people. We can share what God has done in our lives. Because ultimately our goal should be to help people move from seasons of survival in their lives to seasons of revival. You know, transformation and change in people's lives. Um, I, have to, I have to tell you, we're, we're in between houses right now. So we're, we're working on moving out of the townhouse in Avon over to our new house in Amherst. We've been doing a ton of work. I'm so glad to see Cheryl here today in church because we thought we killed her. This week, painting the inside of our house. When she went home last night, we thought, oh, I hope she gets up in the morning. So she is still with us. Praise Jesus. Cheryl is alive. Um, but uh, we, we've had all kinds of work to do, and I've got more work to do. But uh, I, I love finding opportunities where I can just have an opportunity to kind of interact with somebody. And so I have to tell you this briefly. I won't tell you the whole story. But uh, our, our laundry was the house when it was built, the laundry was originally in the mudroom upstairs, and downstairs in the basement, the, the previous owners, they moved the laundry downstairs. Well, Kristen wanted the laundry back upstairs, and so I put one of those Facebook posts out uh, on the Amherst group forum. that says, hey, I'm looking for somebody to move the washer and dryer hookups, and all of a sudden, I started getting a bunch of responses, but the very first response was from a guy named Sean, and so I messaged him. I said, hey, can, can you come tomorrow? And He says, yeah, I can come tomorrow, so on Monday, he shows up at the house, and uh, I'm not kidding you, he's supposed to be a handyman kind of guy, he, he comes in in, in in golf shorts and shower shoes, not flip-flops, not sandals, flip-flops, I mean, they're, they're shower shoes, Cason, uh, lift your foot up real quick, are you wearing your shower, see, those, he's wearing exactly those shower shoes. And, and, and and, he, and, and he's, he's, he's a bit of a rough character and, and he takes a look at the project and, um, and he says, uh, I said, can you do this? And he says, yeah, I can do this. I said, how much? He said, $500. I said, I said, you're hired. Now, Kristen is in the kitchen, which is just around the corner. And I walk out after hiring the guy and she's got, her eyes are just huge. And she's like, are you sure? And I'm like, well, I think the Lord just kind of told me I was supposed to hire this guy. Uh, I said, so we're going to pray, and yes, honey, we're rolling the dice a bit here. And so later that day, he shows up with parts and some other things, and then a little while later, his wife shows up, and they're down there, and they're cutting the wall, and and all of a sudden, I start hearing a few curse words. And then they kind of argue a little bit, they're kind of fighting, and then there's more curse words. And all of a sudden, I hear, hey, Scott, why'd you move from Oregon to Ohio? And I said, well... um, I'm a pastor. I pastor the Illyria Community Church in Nazarene. there in Elyria right off 113. And, and, and he said, oh, my, oh, what? He says, this is just crazy. God must be doing something in my life. He says, because, you know, I got this pastor over in Westlake that I did work for. And then I got this other pastor over in Lorraine that I did work for. And those two guys, they kind of sandwiched me telling me about God. And, and now all of a sudden, I'm working for you. He says, and and, and eventually I kind of came to the conclusion that there is a God. And so God must be doing something. And they quit cursing. And now all of a sudden, on his wife's cell phone, she's playing worship music. And she's singing. And she sang the whole time. And, you know, all of a sudden you see, you know, you're hearing, I can only imagine. I'm like, where is that coming from? And so, but the, the, the whole kind of point of bringing that up to you is at the end, when it was all done, and this was a, a three-day affair, and it was ups and downs and water spraying. It was an interesting, someday I'll tell you the whole story, but it was crazy. And by the end, you know, Sean, and it was so funny because Sean, every time he ran into a snag or whatever, and I would offer some wisdom, he would... He would say, he would say this to me. You know, know, Pastor Scott, I can see that you're a knowledgeable man. He just kept saying that. Anyway, but at the end, I said, I said to him, I said, okay, uh," I said, here's the deal. Now, you you owe me. You got to show up and check me out, check us out on Sunday morning. You got to you got to come check us out. You know what? We just might do that. He ain't here today, but he may. And and so and we had a little conversation about just how you know God is good and God is faithful. And, and he must have a point because he keeps throwing these people like me into Sean's life. And so we'll see what happens. But the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal when we have interactions is to move people from where they're at in life, especially if it's not following the Lord, onto a path that's following the Lord. In fact, our scripture today kind of sets the tone for that that thinking, that concept. It's in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And this is what Luke writes. Luke writes, he says, In my former book, Theophilus, and this is who he's addressing this to, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So essentially, after the resurrection of Jesus, he spent time with his his disciples, giving them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with water with the Holy Spirit. And in fact, in Acts chapter 2, we see when the Holy Spirit is given to all of the disciples and the followers, and, and Peter preaches this incredible message, and thousands of people come to know Jesus. So then they gathered around him, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Essentially, they were hoping that Jesus would restore their position in, in society, in the world, as this power the spiritual power and he said to them it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father set by his own authority but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth essentially you will be the ones that help others discover who i am and what i'm all about and how i interact with the human race, you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. So in just a few days, when the Holy Spirit comes, you are going to be empowered to share me with people in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. He essentially gave them their mission, their marching orders, their direction. This mission that he gave them was a big one. It was huge. And when they were on mission, they were at their very best. And I believe firmly that when a church is on this kind of mission, we are at our very best. You know, yesterday we gathered out in the parking lot and in around this building. We did a bunch of work and we were on mission Larry set up a good work day, he had a good plan, and we were on mission, and we were very effective in those three or four hours that we worked together, because we knew what we were supposed to do. We, knew, we, we knew, the, knew the tasks, we had the right equipment, we had the right people, we had the right supplies. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples is, "Listen, you have the right equipment. You have the right wisdom, you have the right knowledge. And here's your mission. Here's your mission: Share me with people in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be the witnesses. Now Acts 1, 8 is familiar to many Christians. It's familiar to us because we use this scripture to describe missions, when we're going to send people out to, to go on a mission trip or to, to, to be missional Somewhere, whether it's in your local community or uh, going to another state or going somewhere globally. We see that Christians will take the gospel to the the ends of the earth to unreached people groups. And this is one of the scriptures we use to kind of encourage ourselves and, and direct ourselves to do that. But however, some Christians use this passage as a reason to not do missions work as well. And this should concern us, and it should also kind of confuse us. How can a command by Jesus to take the gospel to the entire world be used to excuse us from missions? Well, the answer to that question is found in the way we Christians interpret interpret this verse. So let's look at this specific verse, 1-8, where it says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's look at it from two perspectives. We're going to take a literal look at it, and then we're going to take what I'd like to call a personal look at it today. Two different ways that this verse can be interpreted, and as we take a closer look at these views, let's try to measure the truth and the validity of this statement and how it applies to us. So let's look at, let, let's look at perspective number one, a literal look. Now this view takes a literal look at the verse, and, and when Jesus says to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the, end the, and the ends of the earth, we will interpret this as literal places. That Jesus was saying, literally, I want you to take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Now if we're to believe that Jesus was speaking in literal, uh, of literal places in Acts 1-8, then the consequences are that the early church would have, they would have a very specific plan to follow. They start in Jerusalem, they move to Judea, they move to Samaria, they move to the very ends of the earth. And and obviously we know that because we have the rest of the New Testament, we know that they reached Jerusalem and they reached Judea and they reached Samaria. So that would mean that if we take this verse literally, that we are currently, they then were when they when they went from Judea to or from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. There, what was left for them was the ends of the earth, which means what's left for us is the ends of the earth as well. And we also must recognize that when in a literal view. Um, we may look at this literally as, well, there must be a succession to these. We start in Jerusalem, we move to Judea, we move to Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. But that command may be a misinterpretation. Now, our second view, and we'll get back to this, but our second view is what we'll call personal look. Now, this view takes a personal look at the verse, and instead of Jesus meaning Actual places, this view interprets him as meaning um, spheres of influence or application in our own life. This view says that Jesus meant to say, You will be my witnesses in your Jerusalem, in your Judea, in your Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we all have a Jerusalem, we all have a Judea, we all have a Samaria. I don't know if you know that you do, but you do. Do you know what your Jerusalem is? Your Jerusalem could be your neighbors. Your Jerusalem could be your workplace. Some of my Jerusalems uh, in, in my life, uh, when, I ever, when I officiate high school sports, that's one of my Jerusalems. The, the people that I work and officiate with. Part of my Jerusalem was Sean at my house, coming to work on my my plumbing. Today I'm going to have another interaction with somebody that's coming to look at a sink. And his name is Tim. And Tim's going to be part of my Jerusalem today. When you go to lunch today, you'll be in your Jerusalem. So the person that serves you, if they don't know Jesus, they're in your Jerusalem. And Jesus said, be a witness for me today you know what you know how to be a good witness for jesus today maybe before you pray for your meal ask the server if you could include them in something hey is there anything i could pray for you with here's even better way you want to make a really big difference in somebody's life tip extravagantly i mean tip extravagantly give something crazy stupid kind of a tip you want to bless a single mom who's serving you lunch today, you know, you spend 30 bucks on lunch, give her 30 more for your tip. You want to make a difference? That'll make a difference. So what's your Jerusalem? Where is your Jerusalem? Is your Jerusalem the guys you play golf with? Your neighbor across the street? The, the people you work with? What's your Judea then? Where would our Judea be? Where would our Samaria be? Well, you could, you could consider it being like your state, our country. The ends of the earth is obviously well beyond what we see as our reach here. It, it's, it is unclear in this interpretation if there's a specific command to order them. I mean, do you work on just your neighbors first? Do you, do you work on just your friends and family? Because do you know that your friends and family, your family in particular, is your Jerusalem? In this view of Acts 1.8, if this view is correct, that means that every believer that it will ever live should in fact bless their own local and regional areas and the ends of the earth as well. You should make an impact for Jesus in your family, with your friends, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your workplace, everywhere you go, the neighboring communities, the, any opportunity, any interaction, any moment you have, anywhere should be a, an opportunity for you to bless for you to share your faith for you to make a difference for christ in the world that you live in wherever you're at at that time if jesus in fact met meant that jerusalem judea samaria and the ends of the earth was all of those places then you must impact all of those areas personally no one is exempt no one's exempt to any of these areas of your lives. You must, in this view, be witnesses in your Jerusalem, your family, your friends. This means I, when I was, when I was a, when I, before I became a Christian, when I officiated high school basketball, on Tuesdays and Fridays, we would finish refereeing, and we would go to this little place. Uh, at one point, it was called Tiny's, but then we moved to another little place called Duck Inn. It was a sports bar. And before I was a Christian, I would come in, I'd order my burger, and I'd have a pitcher of beer, and I'd drink, and then I'd go home, and I'd do it again on Friday night. And I would curse, and I would be just like one of the guys. But when I became a Christian, instantly God convicted me of my language, and instantly God convicted me of drinking alcohol, and I quit doing both. And so the very first Friday night of being a Christian, when I didn't drink and I didn't curse anymore, I was being a witness in my Jerusalem. And what God is telling us is that, Scott, you can't go in there as a Christ follower and drink and talk just like you did last week. You can't do that anymore. You have to be a witness now. I'm not exempt. Not one area of your life is exempt if you are in Christ. Which means that if you're, if you're an amazing leader and a board member here or, or an amazing Sunday school teacher, or just a person that serves in the local church, and you're just and you don't curse and you don't chew and you don't run with girls who do. You can't do that out there. You can't go into. You can't be with your golfing buddies and 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 be different. You have to be the same. And then, uh, truly, a cross-cultural missionary must find a way to not only bless unreached people that you work with they must also at the same time be a witness in their families and in the areas that god would place you now here's where view two becomes difficult because obviously we can't be in ohio and osaka at the same time so to apply this verse to our lives as view two would demand us we must find A way of ordering our opportunities to reach out see one must happen first and then another and then another the approach often is used by Christians to avoid moving their comfort zones to spread the gospel of Christ you know that sometimes we take this verse and we kind of put it in a literal way and we think okay Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth and so Pastor, if you tell me that my Jerusalem is my family, until I get all the family members in my, in my family saved, I can't, I, can't, I can't reach into my workplace until I've convinced all my family to, to serve Jesus and to follow Jesus. That's not what we're talking about here. You order those opportunities, but you don't neglect one just because you think you have to f- complete one before you can move on to the other. Often, this statement is used as an excuse if you were to ask those who say um, say that uh, i'm going to work on my family and when i work on my family and get them to a, a good place with the lord then i'll move out then we're misinterpreting what jesus is really challenging us to then another common response is to respond with a then instead of and did you notice in that scripture that it said It didn't say Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. It says and. It says Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So we don't necessarily, we we don't have the, the authority or the ability to order them. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth see many of us many believers will substitute the and for the uh, will super uh, will substitute the uh, uh, the will substitute then for and the greek word for and is the word kai and it's 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 got a fairly specific meaning and literally means both Not, there's no order when i say jerusalem and judea i mean both You will be my witnesses in both. See, the followers of Jesus are supposed to be witnesses to each of these areas of our lives, and there's no given order. In another scripture, Jesus does clarify that the disciples are to start in Jerusalem. Luke chapter 24, verse 47 says, And repentance for the forgiveness of sin will be preached in the name of all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. So it is good to start in your Jerusalem. But the question remains, does this mean that we reach out locally, then regionally, then in global mission? Or does it mean that Jesus' followers would be witnesses in the city of Jerusalem, the regions of Judea and Samaria, and the literal ends of the earth, kind of all at the same time? Well, let's take a look at the interpretation of the early church for clarity. Well, we know that the disciples, they did not take the view to approach to this command they didn't they didn't necessarily take the personal approach they took the literal view they started in jerusalem and 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 instead of their home region which was galilee and then they moved to judea and samaria and left us kind of in this end of the earth place place we see in their actions that they weren't they weren't necessarily starting in their jerusalem i mean for some of the disciples their jerusalem Jerusalem would have been Galilee would have been Capernaum that's where Peter and the guys were from but they started in Jerusalem so they took that literal view and as we follow the early church we see that after a great persecution breaks out most of the believers so they started in Jerusalem where Jesus had told them where he started them off at which wasn't necessarily their Jerusalem but but all of a sudden things started to happen so a a great persecution started and so uh, the believers were scattered amongst Judea and Samaria and so when they were scattered when they when they moved out to avoid that persecution they then naturally found themselves in places where they could share the gospel that ne- wasn't necessarily their Jerusalem so that's an example for us to, to uh, for us also that if God scatters you based on something if he puts you in a new job if he puts you in a new uh, group Um, if if he puts you in a new situation, believe it or not, God may intentionally scatter you somewhere today to share the gospel. So Acts, in fact, in Acts 8.1, we see that on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. God may scatter you into a place where he desperately needs you today. And as we continue to follow the events of the book of Acts, we see that the Lord finally convincing Peter that God loves everybody, not just Israel. The apostle Peter, he was raised up and called to be a missionary to the Gentiles. So basically, if you're anywhere besides Jerusalem, anywhere besides Judea, anywhere besides Samaria, everyone you see is a Gentile. Somebody who need All of us are Gentiles. Did you know that? You started out a Gentile. The focus of the early church after Acts 8 is the Gentile world, the ends of the earth. The early church, by practice, endorsed view one. What that means for, What does that mean for us? This means that we cannot put an order to our outreach. We can't just focus on reaching those who are still unbelievers in our family or our city or our country and forget about the nations. In fact, in Matthew twenty four fourteen, Jesus said this, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. See, the disciples, they started in Jerusalem. They spread the gospel to Judea and Samaria, and then they began to move out to the ends of the earth. Jesus says that the end of history will not come until all ethnic groups are reached by the gospel. We have a task a task that jesus expects for us to finish before the end of all things and it entails taking the gospel to the ethnicities ethnicities and the ends of the earth so i mentioned that kristen and i we've been working on our house and we still have work to do at the house and there are moments when you're in between right where you you really can't do anything you know you you, you, you have to kind of wait for one process to finish before you and Kristen said to me the other day she goes I, I just hate this I hate this in between place I, I need to have a task I need to have a job because when when she has a tasks or a, or a job if she has a specific thing that she's supposed to be doing she's incredibly effective she is efficient but if we don't have a task if we don't have a direct a specific job we just feel like we're we have we can't be productive Let me tell you something, church. We have a task. We have a task. And that's to share the gospel of Jesus with anyone and everyone that comes into our path. We have a task. Therefore, if we have a task, we should be effective and we should be efficient at it. So let's summarize. So our Jerusalem could literally be literal places, but it also can be people in your sphere of influence your family, your friends. And we're called, we're challenged to share the good news of Christ to everyone in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, the, the teams that you play on. Teenagers, don't, don't, don't miss the, the, the opportunity to, to be a witness for Jesus in your school. Uh, uh, the, the band that you participate in, you know, the team that you play on. Our Judea, our Judea is, uh, if you look in that personal sense, it's it's maybe not necessarily your family, your friends, or that group that you're com- that you're intimately connected to, but it might be the one beside. It might be, it might be that, that that person you end up connected to because of someone else, or a, or a vocation, or something that, that that opens up in your life. It's similar. Being sent to serve beyond ourselves. To still minister to those who are somewhat the same as we are, it's people that have this, a similar background. See, it's imperative that our church continues to move out to the other portions of our geographic area. So I, I have not shared this much, and I don't want to freak you guys out. And so, would you, would you, everybody, raise your hand if you're not going to be freaked out? Nancy, thank you, and Darren. Okay. I, here's a little. So, when, when God was working on us to move here, um, and before anything was ever done, I, this was before we even came and made an interview. I was in the shower one morning, and the Lord gave me a vision for our church. And I'm, I'm not going to share that vision with you yet because um, you, I may freak you out. But God gave me this word. He said, he, said, he said to me, Scott, the difference in your life has been that when you came to Christ, your church family became the center of your lives. I am, I, Jesus said, I, I'm the center of your life, and the church became the center of your life. And so I just believe the church should be the center of our lives. That Jesus and the, your church family, we should, it should be the center. And that the local church should be the center of our lives. Do you know that Elyria that is, is, we are located in the center of Lorain County. We are the county seat of Lorain County. So we're the center of Lorain County. And and God gave me this vision that this local church would eventually have a reach into the other communities of Lorain County. Currently, we send the blessing wagon out to about eight different stops in Illyria. What if we started sending that blessing wagon into Amherst, Grafton, North Ridgeview, Avon? What What if someday we weren't just this church, but we were a church in Amherst and a church in Grafton and a church in Lorraine. What if this church, this cool little group of people right here, all of a sudden reached our Jerusalem and our Judea? And we reached it in such a way that we had to send some of you there to plant a new one. Oh my goodness. Are you getting scared or are you getting fired up? Because I believe that God has a bigger vision for us than just what we have right here. He gave me a whole, I got like notes. I got a little book of notes that God gave me. I had to get out of the shower, dry off fast, and write it down because I didn't want to forget anything. That's probably way more information than you needed to know. Don't picture that. Just don't picture that. It's imperative that our church continue to move out from where we're at, establishing Christian communities throughout our county. Our Samaria, what's our Samaria? Well, it's different cultures, it's different places. We're also called to serve those who are not like ourselves. Believe it or not, there are Samarias right here in Lorraine County people that we haven't reached that just aren't like ourselves and we have to purposefully position ourselves in places where we can reach people that just aren't like ourselves we will purposefully send people out today and they're going to encounter people that aren't like us and they're going to bless them with a meal and potentially prayer and then this same scripture says the very ends of the earth to different cultures different places i don't know if you know this but do you know that part of the church of the nazarene's dna is that we are global we are a global missional church did you know that do you know that we are in like 260 some world areas did you know that we have churches in areas that i couldn't even tell you where they're at because where they're at Are called restricted access areas and if we mention their names and if we mention their pastors that they could be put in danger literal physical danger did you know that did you know that we are the largest Wesleyan holiness denomination in the world did you know that did you know that that every month you give to world evangelism fund through faith promise and that those dollars go directly to missionaries all over the world and places some places that you don't even know exist and they're making a difference for Jesus? And did you know that we as a, as a, as a church, if we could discover a, a, a place that kind of fit with our DNA to go, that I would love for us to build a, a, a missions partnership with somewhere where we could go as a church family and we could make an impact to a culture that's completely, completely different than ours? See, we, we're part of a, a group of people that make a difference well beyond the hundred people that are here this morning, and that's really cool. In fact, in John chapter twenty, verse twenty-one, Jesus said, "Peace be with you," and as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So, this part of the process, this part of this series, is all about this, this, this one thought. And here, here's the thought: it's kind of a question. Let me ask you this: What would happen if we were able to live and operate with an ever-present sent spirit? What if we had a sent spirit about ourselves? Not a sent. I mean, a sent spirit. Because Jesus said, the Father sent me, and so now I'm sending you. And so what if each and every one of us had an ever-present sent spirit? Which meant that, um, and there's a difference. A lot of times, when I go to places, when I go out and about, I have this radar going, and if I sense an opportunity to 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 to, to, to be a part of somebody's life, then I do it. Right? Um, and there's a difference between having a sense spirit radar and being an eavesdropper. <laughs> Just you know, right. so there's a fine line, my friends. Okay. But what if we went with a sense spirit? What if what if today, I mean, just try it today. Just try this. Just try what it would look like to be, when you go out, if, 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 you, if you go have a meal together with, with a group of people or, or a couple or, or your family today, try to go with a sense spirit. Try to say, in fact, as you go, as, you, as you're seated for lunch today, maybe even say just a quiet prayer to yourself. Lord Jesus, if there's something you want me to see today about the person that serves me, help me see it. If there's something you want me to see about the per- person that, that rings up my groceries or that, or that I walk by in the grocery store today, would you help me see it? If, if, if we, as a group, could just go from this place with just this desire to have an, ever-present, an ever-present-sent spirit, I, I can't imagine what God would do. Well, actually, I can't imagine because it happened in Acts chapter 2 because Peter got up and he preached. And it says that when Peter preached, that everybody heard Peter preaching in their own language. And, and we, we believe that literally what happened was Peter preached in his language, but people heard it in their dialect. That's what we believe. They heard it. And so what, what that means for you and I is that God could potentially put you in a place with a sense spirit where you all of a sudden can have an interaction with someone and you end up having the ability to speak their language. And I'm not talking about a foreign language. I'm talking about a life situation, where they're at right now in life situation. You're going to have the right words to say to somebody that desperately needs Jesus today. If you will go out with an, ever-present spi- an ever-present-sent spirit. And that's my challenge for you today. That's this part of the process, to have an ever-present-sent spirit about you. Why? Because Jesus saved you. You need another reason? Because he says, I'm sending you. He saved you, and he's sending you. So practice an ever-present-sent spirit. Let's pray god thank you for this morning thank you for uh thank you for saving us and for for imparting upon us this this gift of salvation and this knowledge of who you are and this confidence and 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 belief and this trust in in who you are and and would you use those experiences that we've had with you and and would you transform that into a sent spirit in each one of us so that when we go from this place we just don't we just don't leave going oh church was nice today the songs that we sang were good and the message was okay there was a little bit here or there that i liked and he made me laugh one or two times but that we would leave here and say lord jesus i believe you you've spoken to me today about having this sent spirit and the spirit that says god if you send me i'm going to be obedient to diving into a conversation or an opportunity to to be in ex to be in ex in life experience with someone that may, just may lead them into the same kind of transformation that you made in my life. If you need, if you're here today and you need some encouragement, some, some, some impotence to, to have this sense spirit, go back to when you were saved. That experience, that moment you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christ saved you. And that should give you the kind of energy and the kind of encouragement to be saved someone that he sends so let us all go from this place this morning just praying and seeking god that you would give us a sent spirit for you and that we might make a difference in the life of just one today and it will be for your glory we pray these things in jesus name amen and god bless you.